my name is Tyler Bullets, and welcome back to the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 31st, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm also excited because it is also Reformation Sunday for those who celebrate the Reformation. So there's just a lot of things that we have to go through this week, which makes it a very busy week to kind of go through all these different texts. But I think it's also a really exciting week. And we'll just get into it by first looking at the Twitter question what we had for last week. The Twitter question we had for last week is, when have you stopped to enjoy the process instead of just the end product? And we got some different responses on different projects and stuff that people have worked on. I know for myself, one of the ones that I really enjoy is working with vintage drums. The process of watching chrome come together and then slowly putting it together on a drum, I think is really exciting. But I think it's also thinking about from the perspective of like professional athletes and the ones who are truly great. A lot of them will talk about how they just really enjoy coming to work. They really enjoy that process. And hopefully in the job that you're doing, it's the same way that you really enjoy what you're doing and that process of what you're doing to make that happen. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to start with the Reformation Day text. The Old Testament text for Reformation is out of Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34. This is continuing in that we've had some text out of Jeremiah recently, the promise and this kind of hopeful section here of Jeremiah But it's the Lord reassuring the people that he is going to write a law within their hearts. So coming from verse 33. But this covenant I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put that within them. I will write that on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This promise of what is coming, what will come, and what we know what Jesus has provided. The psalm that is associated with that is Psalm 46. This is definitely how strong and how great is our God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Coming right there from verse 1, and it's this continued how, because of how great and strong and mighty our God is, that then we don't have to fear, we don't have to tremble, because we know that God is going to take care of it, that God will be there through all of it. The New Testament reading for Reformation Sunday is from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 28. This is talking about how humans are not justified by just the law. That apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and assessed by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God, faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for there is no distinction, since all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. They are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So that because of what Christ did for us, that that's what now we are a part of coming from verses 21 through 24. So this is 
kind of embodying then because of the blood that was poured out, because this is divine, that this is something worth doing. And I think it's really interesting here, not that it's talking about that it's a boasting, but it's through our faith that we hold. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. The gospel text that comes with that is out of John chapter 8 verses 31 to 36. This is a nice, very interesting text. Jesus is having this correspondence that is going back and forth over multiple chapters here. But we have a group of Jews talking with Jesus. And Jesus states, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The Jews then are saying, we're descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anybody, which is potential, but you also have to remember we've had in Exodus and all these different slaveries and all these different times where the tribe of Israel has been under the rule of somebody else. Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And we'll dig into that a little bit more, but just a really powerful text here coming from the Reformation. But I think it also, those texts tie in really well with just the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. So the semi-continuous text is out of Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 18. This text is setting up a couple weeks here in Ruth. You have the woman of Naomi who is married. She has two sons. Her two sons get married, one to Oprah and one to Ruth. And both her husband and her sons die. And especially in this time period, not having that is huge. And so Naomi is kind of saying to these daughters-in-law who have been just staying with her, go, don't wait around for me to potentially find another husband and then have kids. Like, go, go back to your home country, go and try finding somebody. And Oprah takes her up on that offer, but Ruth clings to her. And we get this very famous section here of where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus so to me and more as well if death parts from you. And Naomi then kind of welcomes her into this. So it's setting up, but again, this idea here, and we'll continue hearing this story of Ruth over the next couple of weeks, that Ruth is committed to staying with the older Naomi. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 146. And again, this is a praise psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And that with doing that, we're not trying to put trust in things of this earth. We're trying to put something in something that's much greater. The one who created heavens and the earth. The one that's eternal. And that because of that, we give honor and homage to that. Recognizing that God will reign forever in that. And putting aside things that will pass away. The other Old Testament text is from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 to 9. 
This is one of the other sections where we're having the commandments talked about. And this is the intro, the first three verses here, reiterating that this is something that's going to be passed on for generations to generations. And starting in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and tell them when you were, are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. And that this idea of the Lord is your Lord is just something that is embedded and is internal into us. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 119 verses 1 to 8. And this then kind of plays off of that, that because of what we are doing and embedding that in that allows us to have the happiness that God has desires for us, that because we are following his way, it's, it makes it easy for us to keep his statutes and keep on the path where God is calling us. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. This idea of God, I'm trying. I'm going to continue on your path the best of my ability. Please don't cast me aside. The New Testament text, the epistle reading this week is out of Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 to 14. This is continuing that section and what we've been talking about here in Hebrews and how Christ has come for all and it's this great high priest. But I really like verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who is the eternal spirit, offered himself without a blemish to God, purifies our conscience from dead works to worship a living God. This idea of what Christ was willing and able to do for us and how much more that is than any other sacrifice we could have ever done before or after. The gospel text then for this is out of Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. This is then, Jesus is getting questioned by one of the scribes and asks the great question of which commandment is first of all. Jesus responds with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our Lord, the one Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe then responds, teacher, you have responded well. You have responded with wisdom and kind of reiterates that it's the love that is pouring out that we have with God that then we are able to share with our neighbor. And Jesus responds here in verse 34, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask another question after Jesus responds with that. So, 
Before we jump into how faith and science comes together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be help be able to bring you this podcast. It's such a great resource to be able to have not only the Working Preacher podcast with three to four seminary professors, but also the commentaries from other biblical scholars all over the country. I really, really enjoy using it. But I also would be remiss if I also didn't shout out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu. I really enjoy it because most weeks I really enjoy how they lay out the text to be able to read it, along with having the art of different artists and how they've interpreted these texts in the past is extremely helpful to be able to bring some new ideas to these texts and what has been thought about and looked at before. So if you haven't checked out the lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu or workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. That was a lot of text, and there's a lot in there, and so I feel like you have to break it down by the Reformation text and then the regular 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. But I will say I have to do a shout-out right here for my wife's grandmother, Grandma Frances, because she gave me a call this last week and asked me, Tyler, what do you know about trees? Which was a very broad question. But it's almost like she had foresight into these texts because for both sets of texts, I'm going to use trees as an analogy to help us understand these. So let's start with the Reformation text. One of the things that was really striking to me that was brought up in a text study that I was at was when you're having these Jews that Jesus is talking to, that's that story, and the people there, the Jews, say, we're descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anybody. And like I stated, Israel has been slaves multiple times by the time Jesus has been around, under multiple regimes. Like, this is a bit of blasphemy. But I started thinking about it and how much are we like that? And let me explain. When a tree grows, there is the living bark and there is the dead bark. And so the inner bark or the living bark is the phylum. And this is what brings food to the tree. It moves up and down and is getting the nutrients to the tree that it needs. It only lives for a short time and then it turns to cork and becomes part of the outer protection bark, which is the outer bark, the dead bark, which is the former living and is now the outer layer of protection. But I think it's really important to think about this is that that is, for a short period of time, the inner bark. And You have other parts in here. You have the heartwood, which is technically a dead part, dead cells, but it's the strength for the tree. Then there is the sapwood, which is where the water runs up and down, which is right next to the heartwood. And the layer in between the sapwood and the inner bark is this cambalium cell layer and this is the growing part this is where you're going to see more of the trunk of the tree where you're seeing the rings but that's where the growth is happening to slowly push things out now why do i bring all this stuff up 
A tree, in order to grow, has to take that inner bark, that living bark, that thing that's actually been doing things, and has to recognize that it, in order to grow, it can no longer be contained and has to break that open to become part of that outer bark, to become part of that external part. But that also means that it cannot stay stagnant. It has to grow. How often in our own faith do we say, yes, I've, I understand this or I grasp this part, but yet how much is our faith growing? Let me put it another way. If I ask you, have you changed in the last five years? You probably are going to answer yes. If I ask you, how much has your faith changed in the last five years? I would hope that you are also answering yes, but are you? In order for that tree to grow, it has to be willing and able to expand and continue to grow and not be satisfied with where it is at, at that time, at that place. It's really important for us, especially when you're looking at these Reformation texts, that if that outer bark isn't growing, and we like we talked about that the heartwood is dead cells, but it's providing the strength. If you have dead on the outside and the inside of a living tree and not the outer dead bark that's protection, what are you actually protecting? What are you actually growing? How are you actually moving forward in the faith? In order for a tree to grow, it has to be willing to continue to change and grow and push its own understanding of what it can be every day in order for it to grow. And I think it's one of the things, especially with those Reformation Day texts, it's something to be thinking about and something to consider. But I think it's not that far from when you're looking at the text here of when Jesus is called out as what are the greatest commandments to love God and to love neighbor. And especially me growing up in the Lutheran tradition, it sounds eerily like what Luther, and I know Reformation Sunday, Luther talks about with the inner and outer person, the inner person being the relationship between you and God and that you work that. And then because of that relationship, it inspires you to go out and share with other people, thus the outer person, and then coming back to God and with what you learned. But talking about, yes, it's the relationship between you and God is important, but then also making sure that you're sharing that with others. But when you're looking at these texts as a whole for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, they're all talking about culture changes, that they're changing the environment, they're changing how things are looked at. They're looking at, we're giving this new commandment that it's going to be a freeing thing. This is going to be something that you're going to want to tell for generations what is happening here today. The Naomi story that I've had all these things happen Oprah and Ruth, why don't you just go, change your situation, and Ruth's saying, no, I'm staying with you. I am going wherever you are going. We are going to figure this out together. When we have Hebrews talking about how, yes, you've done all these different types of sacrifices in the past, but imagine now what that means, having the blood of Christ being that for people. These are all culture changes. And it got me thinking about Aspen trees, believe it or not. Aspen trees are really unique in that they grow in parallel 
or that the roots can grow up out of the soil and what can be perceived as another tree is just another shoot off the main root. So you have this tree that from the main root continues to go and be part of the community and literally goes out into the community. And then I was looking at like, what do aspen trees do? I know, and we've talked about in the past, how aspen trees have played a major role in helping stabilize, especially erosion in Yellowstone, after we reintroduce wolves to kind of move the elk around through the root system that aspen bring. It helps stabilize the soil and to prevent erosion. But the further I went, the more interesting it got. It seems and it appears aspen typically come in right after a fire and will stay there for an extended period of time. And one of the things that's super amazing about them is they're fairly fire resistant. They don't burn like conifers or dead dry cones and things of that nature. There's more moisture in their leaves and in their bark that it makes it more fireproof in areas in which they're coming in, which would make sense. A lot of these environments in which they're in are either unstable or probably have gone through some type of fire. And then as the forest matures, at some point you'll have conifers kind of take over and the aspen will fade away. But what do the aspen bring? The aspen bring a lot of habitat, not only stabilizing the soil, but being able to bring forest for elk and deer and moose, coverage that they're looking for, helping beaver being able to cut for their dams, it bringing in rabbits, hare, mice, voles, porcupines, things of that nature that now it's created an ecosystem that is allowing for life to happen. So you're taking a system that could potentially have gone through, had a fire, Aspen comes in, and in a matter of probably 10 years, completely changes the whole ecosystem. Where the animals and everything had left, it comes in, helps establish things, and then allows for the ecosystem to come back. To me, that's a changing of the culture. That's the changing of our understanding. And just like trees, yes, some trees have that quirky bark that we're more familiar with. Others more of a smooth bark. But yes, it's still that outer bark. It's continuing to grow. It's continuing to change. And we're understanding that as it goes into an ecosystem, it's going to change things overall over the long haul. You see, these texts whether for the Reformation or not, are calling us to that we cannot sit still. We cannot sit idly by and expect our faith just to grow without nourishment, without working at it, without going to the metaphorical gym and working it out. Aspen continued to go and make habitat to be able to grow and help stabilize an environment. But in that, they have to continue to grow out too and grow bigger and stronger. Be willing and able to realize that, yes, the heartwood is dead, but that's the strength, the foundation, the core principles of what we were taught in the faith. But that we have to keep growing and building upon that. Otherwise, it becomes hollow and there's nothing there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these are texts that are challenging us to continue to dive into the text and keep working these texts. 
And as we are getting close to the end of the year of Mark, and as we have next week, All Saints, or the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, there's a lot here to be digesting and thinking about. Mark is trying to challenge us and trying to help us understand, like, you have to keep going. This isn't something, a a question if. If an aspen tree, if a single aspen tree just decided to grow by itself, how would the forest help establish the ecosystem around it? The roots wouldn't go anywhere. They would just go out to support that tree instead of making the environment and ecosystem that is so amazing that aspen do. It would never grow any bigger and thus it would just shrivel and be moved by the wind instead of getting stronger as time goes on. These are getting out texts. And it's so fun to be able to think about trees and look at trees and realize like they can help me understand the faith. Even not necessarily the big strong oak, but just a simple tree outside, wherever you are. So the Twitter question for you this week is simple but complex. How are you challenging your faith right now? How are you challenging your faith right now so it can grow? Because we need to be making sure we're giving it the nutrients, giving it the food and the challenge. We like trees with character, with marks, with the showing the times where it struggled to get by. Because that's what faith is. We've already had the perfect tree and that was Jesus. He did it. He took care of it for us. We're going to have those rough spots, those marks that show the struggle, but that's okay. We got to work through this. Faith is something that's worth being challenged. Faith is something that's worth going and working out. If science is something that we continue to work at to better understand, why aren't we doing the same thing with our faith? There's the times like Ruth where it's just, Naomi, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to trust. And we have that a lot in the Psalms where it's like, God, you created the heavens and the earth. You did all this stuff. You're so big and mighty, and I don't know what's going on, and so I'm just trusting you. And Hebrews reminding us, like, Christ did this stuff for us. Why? Because he loves us, because he cares about us, and how much greater that is. Is this not inspiring stuff to make us think about and push forward to realize that our faith is not just works, it's not just law, it's all of that coming together and doing amazing things together. Because if it's just law, there is nothing to go out and share. And if it's just works, then there isn't any foundation on our relationship with God. Because then we're just worried about the other. There are going to be days where it's going to be hard. And there are going to be days that you feel like you're a tree just sitting out there and what is going on. But realize that God is still working and realize those are the times that we probably need to be looking at how are we exercising our faith. Because that's the moments that we really can start to grow. And that's the moments that we really understand and value what's going on. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.